You are Locked On 49ers, your daily San Francisco 49ers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On 49ers. I hope everyone's getting ready for a fantastic Easter weekend, right? Is it already April 2nd now? It's crazy. And, and spring feels like it already came and gone. It feels like it's over already because now it's like 80 degrees, at least in California. And it was, you know, in the 70s for maybe a week. And it went from winter to summer feeling very quickly. Maybe just not used to the, the heat. I'm sure when it's 100 degrees, in the summertime, some of those hottest days would be like, oh man, yeah, that 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 84 degree weather was kind of nice. So anyway, um, that's what's going on. I'm, I'm going to get up in the, into the mountains, I think, this weekend a little bit. So a little refresher after the, the madness of the last week. It's officially been a week since the 49ers came through with a crazy trade to shake up the top of the NFL draft. We're going to continue to have to talk about a lot of it. And in a lot of ways, I wish it would have not happened a month before because the 49ers fan base is going to eat each other before draft day even comes around. So um, hopefully that doesn't happen. Use some level heads out there. I think we can have some nice discussion on who everybody's favorite quarterback is as we try to put the pieces together and figure out who the 49ers themselves are going to take at pick number three in the draft. And of course, there are other rounds and other position groups in the draft that we're going to cover deeply here on Locked On 49ers as we prepare for the 2021 NFL Draft. But a few more notes on that quarterback situation at pick number three. Uh, I thought something very interesting happened today when it came to, or over the last couple of days, when it came to the talking heads that are in some ways forming opinions, in some ways getting information and passing it along, and I think one of the biggest things we all have to remember about this is this is silly season. This is lying season. If you hear a report, somebody put that report out there on purpose when it comes to the NFL draft. They do not want us to actually know what they think. So the most common thing you hear, it could be right because everyone knows it's going to happen. It could be that thing that a team successfully smoke screens out there and everybody believes the wrong thing, and it happens every single year. You always think you know what's going to happen in the NFL draft, and it's always bananas. The craziest mock draft you see will not be as crazy as the real NFL draft. I think this year, more than ever, because of how scattered draft boards might be compared to normal years because of the lack of information and the different information every team has because of the 2020 college football schedule and less tape to go on and no combine. And so there's a chance that this is the most bananas draft we ever see. And it's always crazy anyway, and especially when you factor in for the 49ers with their move up to pick number three. And I think ESPN's Dan Orlovsky, I've got some audio here from him talking on his uh, Twitter account about some comments he made earlier in the week. And on ESPN, he talked about how, from what he heard from sources, Ohio State quarterback Justin Fields was the last person to show up and the first person to leave at practice. Essentially, not a good work ethic. And that's a huge red flag for NFL teams when they're trying to find their franchise signal caller. And that Mac Jones was a maniacal work ethic and all of this stuff. And I think Orlovsky got duped there. I think he did. I think he listened to some folks that might be putting out the wrong information or uh, putting out some bad information, whether it was on purpose or even on accident. And he walked those statements back. And it's something to remember when you hear a lot of people that are connected or not talking about a certain thing, 
there could be an agenda from a team that really likes Justin Fields throwing that out there, right? Or maybe someone that has a bone to pick. Or I mean, there's so many people trying to collect information, and there's so much misinformation out there. It, you can't believe everything you hear from these sources because they want you to believe the wrong information, and especially they want other teams in the NFL to believe the wrong information. And there's always some ridiculous quotes from the anonymous scout. Love the anonymous scouts. And first of all, the anonymous scout might be the lowest level scout in the building, and the GM barely knows his name and <laughs> does not take his opinions for his own, right? And and maybe there's a scout for a team that says this one player is garbage and doesn't like him or, you know, whatever, or vice versa. That doesn't mean the GM from his own team is of that same opinion about a player. So here's Dan Orlovsky from his personal Twitter account talking about Justin Fields after he's done a little bit more research and talked to more people about it. I want to have a conversation about Justin Fields yesterday and what I said on Pat McAfee's show. So Pat on yesterday's show asked me, like, hey, sounds like Justin Fields is dropping. Why do you think that's the case? And I said, I don't know. I don't know, but I had done some digging and teams had told me that there were concerns with his work ethic, how great he wanted to go be. And I said, that's, that's what I've heard, Pat. And then obviously it created a big conversation and narrative yesterday, Firestorm. So that forced me to do even more digging over the last 24 hours. And I've had two conversations that I want to put out there to kind of clarify the situation or put more out there about the situation. One conversation I had is with an offensive coach at Ohio State. And he said, tell them that's absolutely not true that Justin Fields' work ethic is spectacular, um, that he is a guy that has great football IQ and he's always studying tape. And then the second conversation I had is with John Beck, who kind of trained Justin as he's headed into his pro day. And John's had a really positive experience saying that, like, listen, this guy's always working incredibly hard on the field. And even after we're done with our, our field drills, he's the guy that wants to stay after and work on different footwork or different throws. And so he's had a very good experience. So the reality is that um, I, I, I have heard those things from teams um, and they might feel that way. And um, this is also a season where teams are trying to say things to potentially get a guy to drop to them. And so I've just wanted to clarify and put it out there that like, listen, over the last 24 hours in more digging, that it seems or it sounds like Justin Fields' work ethic is fantastic. And that's coming from two people have, who have worked directly close to him. So yeah, it's lying season. He might have got some bad information, and that's what teams do. And they hope someone goes out on TV and, and trumpets it. So I heard him say something similar on ESPN. Apparently, I didn't see the Pat McAfee thing, but he's on the Pat McAfee show and, and talks about more of that information he had gotten. Was it bad information? Did teams actually believe it? Were they lying to Orvlovsky? Are they trying to tell people uh, anything they can to try to get Justin Fields to fall to them? Who knows? I have no idea. And Orlovsky, by the way, it should be said that he's been very pro Justin Fields through this whole thing, and he's had Fields ahead of Jones, too. So it's not like something he's throwing out there. It's just, I think it's just the hot take TV aspect of all this. You're, you're trying to be spicy when you're on the air. The only thing we can do is make our own opinions on the information we have and what we've seen. And, and when it comes to Justin Fields, I see a guy who's, first of all, fought like heck to get the football season to happen, period. And Trevor Lawrence was was with him, and they were they were two of the the most famous players actually spearheading the movement to go play to have a college football season to actually get the games to happen. That sounds like a guy that wants to play ball that loves ball. And there was players opting out. He was doing the opposite. He was fighting to get a college football season. 
And we saw the game against Clemson, against the number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, and outdueling him and throwing six touchdown passes with broken ribs and, and fighting through that injury. So when I watch Justin Fields, the, the last thing I'm worried about is how hard he plays, how much he loves the game, how hard he works, because he obviously cares about it and he works hard at his craft. And, and if we're using that sort of anecdotal evidence just that, that we can gain and, and it can easily see, you look at Mac Jones, and look, I'm not trying to tear down Mac Jones or anything. I, I think if you listen to this podcast, you know that I have Fields way ahead ahead of Jones. I have Trey Lance way ahead of Jones as well. But Mac Jones, you see his body. You can tell he doesn't put a lot of work in either nutrition or in the weight room or both, right? Uh, he's got a DUI in his past. So it, from all the evidence that that I can collect, that I can see with my own eyes, that I know for sure, and I'm not going by someone else's, you know, hey, this guy does this, this guy does this behind the scenes. It looks to me that I would be much quicker to check off the character box for Justin Fields than I would be for Mac Jones. That's just for from my standpoint where I'm standing from and, and what I can see and learn about these players and the information I have. So that's what I'm going with and we'll see and we have no idea, but you you know teams are doing that work. And, and I'll say on the other side of things, there's teams lying out there about prospects. You also can't really take as gospel the people closest to him. Of course, his college coach is going to say the best things and glowing stuff about him. And, you know, you, you go ask his mom and his mom's going to say, oh, he's the greatest kid. You know, you see that on on these murder mystery TV shows that my wife watches all the time. They always go interview the suspect's mother. Oh, no, he couldn't have done that. My boy couldn't. Have, and it's like, that's who cares? I don't want to hear from that. That's like the least reliable source there is. So John Beck, the guy who's coaching, Justin Fields and was coaching him through his pro day. That's maybe not the best source to get the information either. So where do you go for information? I don't know, but probably not to the talking heads because they're being lied to and it is lying season. Just something to remember when you see all these reports out there. All right, I'm going to get to some questions next and then I've got a very special segment to end it. I want to hear from the actual evaluators that are breaking it down without any pretense. You remember him from last Friday when we did the crossover podcast immediately finding out about the trade that happened between the 49ers and the Dolphins and then actually after we had connected we found out about the second part of the trades involving the Eagles that's how quickly we got involved with our crossover from last Friday's show Kyle Krabs it's a snippet something from the cutting room floor of the Locked On Today show with Peter Bukowski that will play at the end a draft analysts evaluations of these quarterbacks coming up right here on Locked On 49ers one reason to repair and maintain your car yourself is to save money, and then you can use that for other important things like the mortgage or food or whatever it is you want to spend your money on rather than going to some super expensive repair shop because you didn't take care of the things you could do on your own. Why would you choose to spend, say, 30, 50, 100% more for the exact same auto parts at a chain store or a new car dealership? The guy's behind the counter on his computer. You can't see the screen. You don't know what's on that screen. They might have a very limited stock of items to select from. That is not the case at rockauto.com. An unbelievable selection of any parts you could imagine for your car or truck at rockauto.com. For example, a Delphi fuel pump assembly for a 2005 to 2010 Honda Odyssey. Yeah, they got it. It's about $150 cheaper at rockauto.com than a big chain store. Go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in the How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. 
March Madness, obviously a huge time for sports betting. Uh, NFL draft props, though, can be really fun. If you love the NFL draft, you can put a little money on some of these things, like Mac Jones, who has now somehow become the favorite to be selected by the 49ers at number three. Do you think they're going to go another direction as I do? Maybe put some money on Justin Fields or Trey Lance or any of the other number of props you can bet on at betonline.ag. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine, even awards shows and reality TV fights. Uh, You can play poker at betonline.ag and other table games. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Just go to betonline.ag and use your mobile device to sign up today. Use promo code LOCKEDON and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. Another note, along the line of the Orlovsky stuff, there's Sage Rosenfels, who was also a coach at the quarterback collective, the QB collective, who famously uh, Kyle Shanahan coached one time in that one year that Kyle Shanahan was there, Sage was there, and Justin Fields was the star pupil as he was leaving college and heading to, uh, or leaving high school. I think he was a junior or senior in high school heading toward Uh, Georgia at that point in time as a five-star quarterback recruit. And it's funny because Kyle Shanahan really played it off. He said, oh, yeah, I remember. I'm comfortable with Justin Fields. I remember him. I'm sure he's going to, you know, throw well and run fast at his pro day. And he kind of played off the thing from years ago at the QB Collective that he coached him once. Sage Rosenfels was also there. And it, he, he said he made a huge impact on him. Like he was blown away at the talent and the entire package that Justin Fields brought versus the competition that was there. And he's like, this guy's going to play in the NFL. You could tell then it was a top five draft pick. And he was gushing about his time working with Justin Fields at the QB Collective. So uh, I really feel like, again, it's lying season. I, I I really feel like Kyle Shanahan is downplaying that stuff, and there's a personal connection there. And, and Kyle Shanahan um, likes Justin Fields a lot more than what we're hearing from the talking heads who continue to push Mac Jones as that pick at number three. And they could be right. It could be Mac Jones. It doesn't mean... Uh, I just I'm just, I'm just trying to sleuth this from my angle, and, and, and none of it ever makes sense for Mac Jones to be the guy who is the selection for the 49ers at number three. So uh, that Sage Rosenfels interview, by the way, you can find at the PFF podcast, the pro football. I think it's the the, forca- the PFF forecast podcast with Eric Eager and uh, George Shahuri, who's a 49ers fan, by the way, who I, I, I probably need to get on the show here at some point. Uh, that is where you can find the whole interview with Sage Rosenfels. And again, you know, he worked with the guy and he didn't do a lot of work on the other quarterbacks and, and hasn't followed them as much. So you can't really take it as gospel that Sage Rosenfels is saying, oh, this is the guy you have to take him. But he he was blown away by Justin Fields at the QB Collective. And I think it's really telling how different those accounts are from what we heard from Kyle Shanahan, who seems like he was really downplaying it versus Sage Rosenfels. Uh, anyway, um, a lot more breakdowns of all those things to come. And I mean, so many of these questions are uh, related to this. So obviously you guys continue to want to talk about this in the quarterbacks at the top. And it's huge. I mean, it is massively impactful for the future of the San Francisco 49ers who they select at number three, giving up so much to go get their quarterback. Let's go to Matt on Twitter who says... 
I love the idea of Justin Fields at three to the Bay, but what about the Ohio State quarterback curse? Can you talk me off the OSU ledge? I think I can help a little bit, Matt. And I think part of it is, first of all, those other Ohio State quarterbacks weren't the level of prospect that Justin Fields is. And even Dwayne Haskins, who had a really good season statistically there, was only one year of starting experience at Ohio State. Uh, He probably wouldn't even have gone as high as he did to Washington if it wasn't for ownership that was really driving that selection in Washington. It's... You can't, first of all, you can't scout the helmet, right? Every player is different. No Cal quarterbacks were good until Aaron Rodgers. Uh, no, actually, and Alabama doesn't have a good record of starting quarterbacks in the NFL either, you know? And that's kind of why I feel like Mac Jones is closer to A.J. McCarron than he is to Drew Brees or Tom Brady, right? I mean, I don't know. And, and none of those players that we're talking about were drafted high in the first place. Um, But as far as Ohio State quarterbacks go, you have to evaluate every player separately. They're different human beings. They have different skill sets. They're wired differently. So don't scout the helmet. Scout the players, number one. And I would say that, first of all, he started for multiple years, unlike Dwayne Haskins. Statistically, he's great, but he was coached by Ryan Day and not Urban Meyer. So different coaching staff there, even though I'm sure there's a lot of the same concepts. Uh, One of the things, though, and maybe it'll take some time because... One of the things that Ohio State does is they're not trying to, every school, but some schools just have an offense that translates a little better to the NFL. Ohio State's trying to win college football games. They're not trying to develop your quarterback for you, your NFL quarterback, right? So it might take some time, and it's just going to be different concepts, and you just have to believe in the player. Is he smart enough? Is he tough? Is he physically gifted enough to be a great NFL quarterback? And is he going to work hard enough and put all those things together, even though there might be some holes in his game because of, the team he played on, and the offense he played on in college versus what he's going to have to do in the NFL. So I hope that helped, Matt, and you feel a little bit better about drafting an Ohio State quarterback. Dominique Foxworth had an interesting one on Twitter today. He posed the question, and I've been kicking this idea around in my head too. He said, "Uh, who do you think NFC West defensive coordinators want the 49ers to draft? And obviously he's getting that. Mac Jones is probably that guy. And, And so that's a similar idea that I've had that I want to talk about on today's show is if the 49ers drafted Mac Jones, they would probably still have next year quarterback five or quarterback four and quarterback five in the division, right? Next year. They already have quarterback four right now in the division, in my opinion, in Jimmy Garoppolo, which is what is the reason that Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch decided they needed to go up and get the next superstar quarterback so they can compete with Stafford and Wilson and what we think the direction the career of Kyler Murray is going. And I would say right now, 30 one teams in the NFL would probably take Kyler Murray over Jimmy Garoppolo. I don't think that's crazy, even if you are a big Jimmy Garoppolo fan. That's just the score right now. Um, so the 49ers are coming into the year with QB4. They draft Mac Jones and, you know, maybe any rookies QB4 right now, but I'm just talking about for the foreseeable future. Even if Jones meets his realistic ceiling, you still have QB4 in the division, right? But if... Trey Lance or Justin Fields or Zach Wilson meets their realistic ceiling. Now we're in business. Now you're talking about a quarterback that has the talent to compete with those other guys. If you're just, you know, talking about quarterbacks and look, you have to have a complete team and it's not just quarterbacks, but quarterbacks are really important. So if you're just looking at quarterbacks and to answer Dominique Foxworth's question, who do you think NFC West defensive coordinators would want the 49ers to draft? 
And, you know, it's probably, they're probably less scared about scheming for Mac Jones because it wouldn't look a lot different than what they've already had to scheme for with Jimmy Garoppolo in the 49ers. It doesn't mean they can't win a lot of games or go win Super Bowls. It doesn't mean that Mac Jones won't become a superstar. It's just that he has to, from the neck up, hit at such a crazy level. And it's so hard to project somebody to be the next. And I've seen him compared to Montana and Tom Brady and Drew Brees. And it's like, you can't project that. And those players were all drafted outside of the first round for a reason. And for every Drew Brees that develops and becomes just surgical as a quarterback, there's a Blaine, there's a dozen Blaine Gabberts and Christian Ponders, right? So it just, it doesn't add up. It just does not add up to Mac Jones for me. And it hasn't, and I don't think that's going to connect for me before the draft. Talking about athletic quarterbacks, this is Christopher. He says, mailbag question. I think Shanahan was thinking quarterback since last year. Why aren't the Jones stands remembering the design running plays called for CJ at the end of last year. Is it because he wanted to see what it looked like again in his offense? No one is talking about that. It's an interesting angle. And yeah, obviously, you know, CJ Beathard, he's not a supreme athlete. You're not going to want to uh, have him running the ball a ton and, and running your offense through him running it. But there's something to be said for that. Like Kyle Shanahan, it's not like he wouldn't not want to have that athletic quarterback and the things you could do there. And we saw what he did for RG3 in his rookie season. Obviously, Kyle Shanahan doesn't want to run a zone read predominantly offense. He wants a quarterback that's going to operate in the pocket. And then you have the athleticism to go on top of it. And that's one of the other weird things is, you know, Fields and Lance and, and Mac Jones, they can all operate in the pocket. It's not like that's already something that they can't do just because they're fast. And I think people get it twisted when it comes to athletic quarterbacks. Just because you can run doesn't mean you're run first. Doesn't mean you can't operate from the pocket too. It doesn't mean that you can only be in an offense that focuses on running the ball first as a quarterback before throwing it. It just means you are an athletic quarterback who can also operate from the pocket. And I think all those quarterbacks can operate from the pocket. So to me, it's a non-issue at all. It's not a, quote, running quarterback. It's a quarterback who can also run. How does draft dude Kyle Krabs, a.k.a. at grinding the tape on Twitter, feel about these QBs? The championship is set, and it's a chunky matchup. Coconut, brownie, chunk versus cookie dough chunk. Built bar bracket coming to a culmination here. What flavor will come out on top? Coconut brownie chunk or cookie dough chunk? Go to builtbar.com and vote for the winner. You can also get 15% off a box of built bars. Those flavors or any of the 18 plus flavors that built bar offers at builtbar.com. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off. The amazing, low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, fantastically tasty protein bar with 100% chocolate. Remember to use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order. Vote for the best flavor of Built Bar and use promo code LOCKED15 to get 15% off your next order at BuiltBar.com. As is usually the case, quarterbacks will take center stage at the 2021 NFL Draft. We are pretty sure Trevor Lawrence is going number one. After that, we have some idea of how this may play out, but the San Francisco 49ers over the weekend threw a monkey wrench into all of this trading up into the third overall spot. Joining me now from Draft Dudes and Locked on Dolphins, Kyle Krabs. Kyle, after Trevor Lawrence... 
How do you have them? Let's start there. I like the first four quarterbacks in this year's class. I like Trevor Lawrence. I like Justin Fields. He's personally my QB two. Uh, I like Zach Wilson and I like Trey Lance. Uh, I think Justin Fields and Trey Lance are fairly comparable as skill sets uh, and where they win really strong arms, good sturdy builds to be able to sustain the wear and tear of being mobile quarterbacks who run a little bit. Uh, But Justin did it for a larger period of time and he did it against better competition uh, so that's where I give the edge in the Lance versus Fields debate. Uh, and then Zach Wilson, he's got bad process and good results at times. And, and that can kind of be a slippery slope as far as, you know, how much can you really get away with that at the next level? Will there be growing pains as you kind of learn, oh, yeah, I can't really get away with that when I'm not facing Mountain West competition. So he's got a really electric arm. Uh, he's really creative as a passer, and, and that helps him. Um, so I think each one of those guys, if you need a franchise quarterback, you could make a really strong case for, I stack them, Lawrence Fields, Wilson, and then Lance as the top four guys. So it seems like the jets have locked into Kyle Wilson. If you're going to make the case for why they might do that, what does that case look like? I think the, the argument for Wilson really stems from his potential ceiling as a passer. You watch him, and, and, and because he kind of breaks the rules at times with how he chooses to play the game and it, it works for him, those are the quarterbacks that get really electric when, when they're able to access the entirety of the field regardless of what their arm slot is, if there's somebody in their face, if they're fading away from the line of scrimmage. Uh, and Zach Wilson, I think if you took his reel of the 20 best throws that he put on tape this past year, it's the most impressive, and that includes Trevor Lawrence's. So the questions with, with Zach are, you know, he had a shoulder surgery procedure that w- was done on his throwing shoulder in his past. He's only really produced at a very high level this past year at BYU. So uh, th- there is a little bit of mystery and intrigue, but you're betting on the upside, and you're betting on him being able to have kind of that magic about his game at the next level that, uh, I think is pretty special. You take the, that top highlight reel and it, it really pops. When we got the news late last week that the 49ers were moving up to the third overall pick, the assumption was quarterback. I, I think that's a pretty safe assumption. If Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch called you and said, Kyle, who do you think is the best guy for us to take here? Assuming we think we know who the first two guys are, it sounds like you're leaning toward fields Is that the case? Yeah, and I think the 49ers, it will be really telling if it is Fields or is not Fields because Kyle Shanahan has had past exposure at a quarterback summit working with Justin Fields. So they know him a little bit. And if they choose to forego him, I think that'll tell all of us what their experience was or what Kyle Shanahan's experience was when he worked closely with him and got to know him a little bit. Uh, But I tend to view that as a positive thing. And and I do think because you have really comparable skill sets and what both Justin Fields and Trey Lance do well, and I feel more comfortable with Justin Fields' resume, you know, I would take the guy who I feel like has a comparable ceiling. You know, maybe he's slightly less athletic, but then again, Justin Fields is is running low four fours uh, in his 40-yard dashes and, now, you take into consideration his size and stature doing that. 
that should not be considered a slight to Justin Fields' athleticism whatsoever. It's more of a testament to how athletic both of these guys are. But I think Fields is closer to being ready to play in the NFL. And I think Fields, because he has experience working with Shanahan, you know what you're getting more versus Trey Lance only played in one game in 2020, and he was a redshirt freshman in 2019. So really limited sample size there. That would be a bit of a red flag for me that would push me in the other direction. Adam Schefter has been saying for a couple of weeks now that that he thinks we're going to get four quarterbacks in the top four picks. Atlanta has a quarterback, a quarterback who was an MVP in 2016 in Matt Ryan. If we get four and four and we assume Trey Lance is that fourth quarterback, who do you think makes that pick? I think you can make a compelling case for Atlanta. I know they restructured Matt Ryan's deal. Uh, But you think about what Arthur Smith did in Tennessee, and he's obviously now the head coach there in Atlanta, play action passing, moving the pocket, rollouts, run heavy style approach. I mean, that's North Dakota State for you. So uh, I think there is a fair match there if Atlanta chose to go that route. And Atlanta could also have the luxury of saying, Trey Lance, we know you played at the FCS level. You were effectively a one-year starter. We'll give you a little bit of time to kind of get get a grasp on the playbook, and we're not going to have to rush you into playing right away. And ideally, Atlanta is not picking this high anytime soon beyond this year with Arthur Smith as the head coach. So I think you can make a good case for Atlanta. I don't think Carolina has a strong chance because of the divisional rivalry dynamic here. They'd have to blow Atlanta out of the water to get a deal done to move back. I wouldn't be surprised if Atlanta said, hey, you know that deal that San Francisco just gave Miami to move from 12 to 3? We would expect the same thing from you to send us from eight or from 4 to 8 because you're in our division in the NFC South. So if they play hardball with that spot, Carolina, no matter, I think, no matter how aggressive they want to be, they're going to have a hard time getting into that spot. And the same thing could be said for New England because they're all the way back at 15. Unless they make some kind of parlay. And we we saw the Buffalo Bills did that when they made their move for Josh Allen. We saw the Philadelphia Eagles do that when they made their move for Carson Wentz. It's a two-part. You slightly move off the board, and then you can make the big splash trade to get in the position to draft your guy. Uh, New England, if they stick at 15, is going to have a real hard time selling Atlanta on a trade package because that is just pretty unheard of as far as drops. I think the next closest thing we saw to that was when uh, the Rams traded up with Tennessee to go get uh, Jared Goff in 2016. And that was two ones, two twos, and two threes, I believe. So a very substantial trade package that was kind of split up over three seasons. So Atlanta, I think they they might have the best chance of making that pick at four and it ended up being a quarterback out of out of the three teams that we just mentioned. All right, a little bonus coverage there from the network. That was Kyle Krabs that I talked to last Friday, actually, immediately when this trade went down. Host of Locked On Dolphins. He's also the host of co-host of the Draft Dudes podcast, as well as an analyst for the Draft Network. So those are his opinions on the top of the draft and those quarterbacks. Tomorrow, a very special, not tomorrow. Next week, a very special guest. I've teased it for a bit now. We've we're getting connected. J.T. O'Sullivan, former 49ers quarterback, the QB School channel on YouTube, which is fantastic. I learn a lot every time I watch J.T.'s YouTube channel on quarterbacking. He breaks down quarterbacks and tells you why quarterbacks are pointing at the Mike linebacker and lets you know 
what the difference is between middle of the field open, middle of the field close, and just takes you through the mind of what it's like to play quarterback. Love the channel, and he's been breaking down these prospects. So Mac Jones, Justin Fields, Trey Lance, Zach Wilson, we're going to talk about all of them next week with JTO Sullivan right here, Locked On 49ers.